0: Welcome to The Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization, while providing the best possible experience and care for patients.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Deep Dive. Today, I'm joined by Jill Helm. Jill comes to us with over 19 years of experience at Allscripts. And has definitely seen the evolution of electronic prescribing. Helena Mileno also is joining us on the call. She's an expert in e prescribe solutions and is a boots on the street expert working with doctors and providers day in and day out. She's been supporting e prescribe for seven years, and we're really excited to have both of these ladies on the show. Before we get started, we are going to really focus in on what's going on in the e prescribe landscape. We're gonna talk about what's going on with patient care and consumerism. We're definitely gonna touch on the opioid epidemic and things that we can do to do a better job at helping with that. So let's dive in. I'd like to uh, welcome the team from Veridigm today. We are really looking forward to really digging deep into what's going on in that e-prescribe space. So one of the things that I wanted to do is first, Why don't you guys briefly introduce yourselves by name so the audience can get familiar with who they're listening to. Uh, Helena, why don't you go
0: first? Hi, I'm Helena Molyneux. I am the Client Account Manager and Sales Executive for Veridigm ePrescribe Solutions. I've been here for about seven years supporting ePrescribe. I've been in health IT for about 20 years and I'm excited to work with you today. And Jill? I am Jill Helm. I
2: am the Solution Manager for the Veridigm e-prescribe product. I'm a pharmacist by background and have been at Veridigm and Allscripts for about 20 years now. So have really grown up in the e-prescribing space and have had an opportunity to see it evolve
1: firsthand. So it's very exciting to be here today and to talk with you all. Perfect. We are so glad that you're here. This is one of those hot topics that, you know, sometimes gets overlooked because there's so much regulation and people are in that flurry of trying to figure out what's going on in the e-prescribed space. And, And one of the things that we wanted to do is really create some value for our listeners today, particularly around things that they need to be worried about. And so just to kick this off, and and Jill, I'm going to direct this question to you, uh, considering your longstanding background here, you know, tell us about what's going on in the landscape. I mean, you've definitely seen it in the trenches for the last 20 years, huge evolution in, in, in prescription writing. And that's exactly right. You know, the first
2: electronic prescription was sent almost 20 years ago. And that's really hard to believe because we still consider electronic prescribing to be evolving right to be changing so i feel like we really haven't grown up yet um if you will it is still very much in kind of that awkward teenage years um, where it's changing very rapidly and really responding to the needs of the larger healthcare ecosystem but that's the other thing i want to share with you is that you know e prescribe is really kind of a microcosm of what we see happen on a much broader scale with healthcare and consumerism, sort of all of the trends that you see today, um, they really come together with electronic prescribing. And electronic prescribing or prescriptions in general are really one of the most visible and tangible pieces of healthcare delivery, right? when patients go to their doctor, right, they kind of remember the, the the encounter, right, and what was done with them in the office, but the piece that lasts with them is that prescription when they leave the doctor's office, and that's why it can be so important, and that's why sometimes it tends to be the laser focus of regulations and changes, um, is because it is that piece that's that very tangible piece is kind of easy for people to find, um, easy for them to define, get their arms around, they understand it. So they, you know, really change it and and add to things a lot in in prescribing. But um, just to get back to your point, e-prescribing has grown tremendously in the past 20 years. We now in this country transmit over 2 billion prescriptions every year in the United
1: States. It's just amazing, it's mind-boggling. That's a scary number, to be honest <laughs> with you. There's only 300 million of us. <laughs> I, I know, and so for
2: those people that think that e-prescribing is something that's just kind of that one-off, right, that maybe you know some people do or it exists in kind of those large centers of excellence, those integrated delivery systems, um, it, not so anymore, right? Everybody is, or not everybody, but many people are really electronic prescribing now. And about 160 million of those prescriptions are for controlled substances. So as we start to see electronic prescribing evolve, how we have, how we have seen it evolve, it's really expanding into those areas that before were more difficult to tackle, such as electronic prescribing of controlled substances. And then you think about all of the services, the other way that electronic prescribing has evolved is it did start out with that very simple, how does a prescriber create a prescription and electronically transmit it to a pharmacy? And that used to be our definition of electronic prescribing. Well, over the years, that has really expanded, not only to include things like medication history and the ability for providers within the context of the patient visit to get the claims information, right, for the prescriptions that the patient has had filled um, at their pharmacies from different providers, which is especially impactful for your provider population where they may not be hardwired into the patient, all of the patient's physicians, right, and all of the specialists that that patient sees, they can see that prescription information um, and have an opportunity then to use that to inform their care plans, Um, but also adding on more of the financial and benefit information. So the prescription eligibility, the formulary information, access to prescription drug monitoring programs. We talked about controlled substances and it gives, again, clinicians a view into what controlled substance prescriptions has that patient had filled and can also help inform care. And then also sort of extending beyond the formulary and benefit conversation to start to get into more of the the pricing, you know, what is this prescription actually going to cost the patient when they get to the pharmacy? And it's all really centered around how do we create a more safer and more efficient prescribing process and medication delivery system. And I would just say, in conclusion, the last piece that we've seen sort of in terms of the evolution of electronic prescribing, we saw a lot of people adopt electronic prescribing as kind of a one-off. They may have those paper charts in their office, but they would adopt an electronic prescribing system. And we're now really seeing it integrated into the EHR. So it is, you know, um, providers are no longer sort of having the the swivel chair, right? With the different devices, different applications where they're doing their charting in one application the prescribing in another and maybe they have a third interface for labs but they really want it all in one place. And that's again, so that they can work efficiently, right? So we're really seeing providers wanting that integration. And I think that's, you know, sort of the landscape of e-prescribing and the evolution and kind of a nutshell.
1: No, I think that's really great. And I I think you really hit on some really important things. Like one of the things that I've kind of observed is that goal that we all have for patient safety. I think that has been a primary driver. And that that comes from not only looking at the the controlled substances, but also drug-to-drug interaction and all the kinds of things that we do on the back end to make sure that people are safe. And I think those things are, they've definitely evolved considerably And you touched on something really interesting. You said, hey, you know, people want this capability integrated into an EHR. And and because we're on the dental deep dive, as it were, for the show, one of the things I think we need to think about is holistically, uh, whether you, whatever your practice management area is, if you're a dentist, then it's an EDR, an electronic dental record. If it's a medical record, we use the term EHR. But I would want to make sure that in this conversation, when we've referred to EHRs, We're talking about health in general, electronic health records, and whether that's medical or dental, you know, we really want to make sure that it's wherever you are as a provider. And in our conversation, obviously we're talking about in the context of dentistry. So, you know, we want to make sure that when you're in your practice management platform, it is a single push button, easy to integrate type of process. We want to take all the burden off the provider, make it as easy as possible, and still include all of these benefits. Now, one thing that you did allude to, Jill, and maybe uh, Helena wants to uh, chime in on this one, is we have talked a lot about the evolution. And now we're starting to see, even in the last three years, this progression around state mandates around electronic prescriptions. Do you want to talk to that a little bit?
0: Sure. So what we're seeing a lot more of now, it's not just our opinion as an EHR, as an e-prescribing vendor. The states are adopting this too for patient safety. It's very difficult to go ahead and be like, sure, mail me in, fax me in, um, scan me in your charts. It's much easier to just have directly entered it into e-prescribe, have it sent to the pharmacy, and then you have that in hand. It's gone to all the places it needs to go. You're not worried about the patient misusing it, patient getting more than they needed, anything like that, because there is that ability for checks and balances. For humans, there is the, the propensity to have a little bit of error here because you could lose the piece of paper. You could doctor it up a little bit. E-prescribing is agnostic. It applies to everything. Anywhere that you can write a script for anything, no matter what the medication is, it will work itself out. So that's kind of the direction that um, the world is going. And the state mandates are proof of that. Not just the state mandates themselves, but also the PDMP mandates around the state mandates. So not only do you need to e-prescribe and send controlled substances directly to the pharmacy, in some states you need to check the PDMP regularly, or you can be penalized for that as well. So for people
1: on the call, PDMP, help them out.
0: Prescription Drug Monitoring Program. Each state might have... They might call it something different. I think um, California calls it CARES or something, but there's so many different names for it because everybody wanted to put their little spin on how it is. But it's basically a registry that exists at a state level that captures all of the patient's controlled substance prescribing history. Again, agnostic. It's agnostic to anyone in any e-prescribing functionality, EHR, whatever they have, so that all of the data comes together in a comprehensive report that allows the provider at a glance to see where the patient's at with their controlled substance usage. They could be at risk, they could be a rare user, any number of things, but it allows the doctor at a glance to make those determinations so that they can not just benefit the patient by helping them alleviate their pain, but also having a discussion with them. We're saying, you know, I'm seeing that you're doing this more often than not. Are you okay? Let's look for some other methods for pain management. So it kind of allows doctors not just to go ahead and be a doctor for that one specialty. It allows them to see the patient holistically.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I think is really interesting that you bring that up is there's a big push in dentistry. And, and we hear this term all the time. We're putting the mouth back in the body Right. A a dentist is a provider. They're not a second class citizen in medical uh, treatment. Uh, We know that good oral care means good health care. And so I really like how you're kind of tackling this and and the conversation around, hey, listen, we want to make sure that we're staying on top of this. Now, one of the drivers I think is we, we've got two things going. I mean, obviously, there's the we want to make sure that people are safe, but we also see this trend around the patient as a consumer, and we see kind of that consumerization of technology really taking hold. Do you guys want to maybe, uh, Helena? Why don't you take that first, and then we'll flip it over to Jill. Get both perspectives because I really think that we're seeing a huge evolution as. You know, we're mobile first people now. We want to see it in real time. We want it to happen right now. We don't even want to wait for our prescriptions to get filled. We want to show up. We want it to be ready to go. And so you talk to us a little bit about what you guys are seeing there and how it applies to e-prescribing.
0: So I'm going to take it from two prongs. One I'm going to give Jill credit for, and the other one I'm going to take it from my um, Gen X perspective. With the advent of the internet, people have access nowadays to so much information that we didn't have access to before. I don't think my parents thought to Google how to do certain things or how to pull a book to be like, well, this hurts. What does that mean? Whereas now, if you do those kind of terrible things, obviously, you've got malaria or something ridiculous like that. So nowadays, with the access of the internet, people are participating more with their healthcare than they ever did. They're asking questions. They're saying, I saw this. I'm a mother, so obviously I have small children. So in my instance, I'm constantly Googling, what does it mean if they have a rash? What does it mean if they have a cold? That kind of thing. So they participate more in their care. Having done so, they want to also participate in cost savings. And the world we live in now, especially where people are losing their jobs, where businesses are closing down, people need to save money everywhere that they can. There are a lot of cool companies that have gone ahead and looked for coupons, copay programs, all kinds of things like that to be able to help the patient take their medication. There's a study done back in 1988 that literally said the top reason why people don't take their medication is they can't afford it. That study has been done repeatedly since then. And the answer is cost is always one of the top two things as to why they don't take their medication. And then I wanted to mention, Jill, had, Jill and I were talking about this. Jill mentioned that she read something called the COVID Accelerator. COVID itself has been the thing that has accelerated everybody's adoption, accelerated their participation. Now that we have been pushed to ha- telehealth versus real in-person visits, people have to make it a point of remotely asking questions, remotely paying more attention. It can't be the kind of thing where my doctor's going to do whatever they're going to do, and I'm going to trust them for it. So there's just so much more interaction and the patient really does participate more in their health than they ever did before.
1: Perfect. Jill,
0: what was your take? Sure. So no doubt consumerism
2: is a major trend in healthcare. Um, it's interesting that health plans now are really driven by consumer ratings. So for example, for every 1% increase in uh, plans consumer rating their membership goes up 10% and that's huge um so they really hold their providers the dentists the doctors other healthcare providers to that consumer that consumerism standard right so patient friendly and they're constantly doing patient surveys to really ask their membership how satisfied they are with their care but not only that the other thing i want to bring in is the advent of high deductible health plans. It used to be that a lot of patients had first dollar coverage for many, many services, right? Many dental services, many medical services, prescriptions. Back in the day when I started out as a pharmacist, I worked in a town that had a lot of auto workers and they literally thought every prescription cost either $2 or $10 because they had a flat $2 copay for generics. And ten dollar copay for brands, and that's what the then that's what they thought the average prescription price was—either two dollars or ten dollars. Now, where <laughs> patients don't have that copay right away, they have those high deductibles. They're going to the pharmacy and they're seeing those antibiotic prescriptions. You know, for some of the new antibiotics that are out on the market, those can cost over a thousand dollars for a course of treatment. Just a first-line antibiotic or pain medication for a patient can cost $50. And so particularly in today's day and age, a lot of patients really do have to make the choice of, do I pick up my prescription or do I buy groceries this week for my family? And it's because of those hard decisions that we're really forcing patients to be consumers in healthcare, to be advocates for their own healthcare, to be part of healthcare decision-making. And so we have to give tools to the providers so that they can start to enable those
1: conversations with their patients. So one of the things that keeps creeping up and that I keep hearing about, and maybe you guys can weigh in on this, is specifically for dentists that are listening today, how would they go about applying these best practices around e-prescribing and keeping patients safe and and some of those things. Could you share some specific examples?
0: So yeah, I I will tell you that uh, as the sales and account manager for all of e-prescribe, I hear, I wanna say 85% of the time from the office staff, more than I hear from literally anybody else in the practice. The office staff are your group, your family, your people who are constantly trying to find ways to save time, to save money. Just working with them to be able to get that in place. I can't tell you how many people have said, I spend three hours, especially now, on the phone with the pharmacy trying to call in a script. That's intense. That's crazy because the patient needs the medication and they're probably calling, they're probably one of the the 18 million calls on hold. So having something like this so that it automatically happens electronically and you have to click two buttons versus making a phone call, sitting on hold, trying to multitask while you're doing that, it, will, it makes your office staff's job so much easier just to have electronic prescribing in general rather than just the paper, absolutely everything. So I, I know that we're old school. I'm still someone who writes on, there's like sticky notes all over my desk and everything, but that's, that doesn't mean that like, I don't live by email and work everywhere that I need to. The ways that you can make your job easier and the way that you can save time, save money, get the revolving door of patients in and out and healthy as fast as possible. Take that, listen to your office staff because they're usually the ones who are doing quite a lot of the background work so that you can focus on being a doctor.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Do you foresee any specific trends that are happening that are coming up right now? Because, I mean, this has been a very interesting evolution. I remember when the very first state went on the, the mandates list for, yes, you must do electronic prescription. That it feels like that it was feels like yesterday for me. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. And now, what, what's the number that we're at? What are we at? Thirty uh, states requiring uh, electronic pre- prescriptions now. Is that right?
0: I want to say a little bit more, maybe right?
1: It is
2: actually a little bit more. And then we also have the federal government for those government sponsored plans. So Medicare Part D which is the Medicare prescription drug benefit for anyone who's 65 and over, all of the state Medicaid plans, as well as the government employer plans, right? We can't forget that the government is the single largest employer in the United States. All of those programs require electronic prescribing um, for controlled substances as of January of, uh, they actually required as of January of 2021. CMS, uh, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, um, actually are delaying enforcement until January of 2022. So there's kind of this one year grace period that we're in now, but you really see it you do really see it a- accelerating. It said not only the payer uh, incentives but also the state those state mandates are
1: really accelerating the the growth of electronic prescribing. Are there any other things that you guys are think that are going to continue to push that over because, I mean, for me, this is like, it's like watching a roller coaster. I I can't tell if we're on the way up the hill or if we're going back down the next hill on on electronic prescribing. You know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing that a lot. We see so many folks who they even consider us telehealth, even just our standalone, because it's a matter of being able to do it cloud-based because folks are just so used to everything being on premise, being able to do things in a cloud-based way, being able to do it in real time, calling up a doctor at nine o'clock at night and saying, hey, I need this, and being able to have that care taken care of at that point in time. Telehealth has made a huge stride in the past year or two for adoption and utilization across all of all the platforms everywhere. So that's going to continue growing too. And then again, since the since COVID, we've had an instance where there have been some relaxing of the state and federal rules because they need to be able to do telehealth. Because they can't see patients in person. So we're not sure if that's going to continue, but it it's hard to put Pandora back in the box once you've opened it up so widely to the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and I think there's some reasons not to put it back in the box. I, I think that we've I think we've really realized that as an industry, we're, we're just so much more efficient than we used to be. And I think that sometimes we need to be a little bit more holistic in the fact that, hey, you know, for all of the the tragedy that we've seen, we've seen some real meaningful advancements because of COVID. And and some of those, I would say, didn't come even fast enough, right? And I think that we're on a good trajectory right now. And I think that we're going to continue to see that continue to grow and expand. So as far as any other things, oh, you know, I'm going to redirect this question back to both of you. This is kind of my secret in the pocket conversation question I always ask, which is, is, for people that listen to the podcast today, what are the three main things that they should take away? So let me take a crack at that first. The three things that I think
2: people should take away is, number one, electronic prescribing is here to stay. Electronic transactions, the idea of patient records, um, patient records being mobile, right? And mobile means electronic. So patient data has to follow the patient. As we talk about COVID, as we talk about patients as consumers, it's having that patient information to be able to follow the patient wherever they need to seek care, wherever they want to seek care. But also regulations. To your point about the roller coaster, I love that analogy because I really feel like we are on that roller coaster and we are Accelerating like a rocket ship, right? That feeling where you're just, you know, holding on for your life. Because the rate at which states and the federal government are passing regulations and are changing, that rate is astounding. Um, when e prescribing first started, it took years for electronic prescribing to take off, um, really almost a decade. And now we're seeing these states that pass regulations that literally require them to be implemented in sometimes six months to a year, which for a provider to change their practice, to adopt a new technology, um, that never would have happened a decade ago. We never would have had that type of quick implementation, but now it's lightning fast, right? We wanna be responsive to those healthcare trends. The other thing that I just wanna mention, which is an unfortunate result, I think, of the pandemic, is this country is seeing controlled substance abuse on the rise again, which makes it all the more important. It really places that, that highlight on having access to that PDMP information, right? So you're prescribing appropriate therapy for the patient with your eyes wide open. And I think that that's something else that I want to leave your audience with is that we need to think about technology in the context of in the environment, right? Where we live. And e-prescribing is really being very responsive to that. And the regulators are being, are holding, right, e-prescribe and holding providers um, to being responsive to those trends. I would say engage patients in price conversations. We have the Veradime RX true price information available, um, so they can see the cost of the prescription at the pharmacy, literally right before they send that prescription. So give the patient a heads up engage them in that conversation, that will go a long way towards patient satisfaction. And as Helena mentioned, really reduce the chances that the patient isn't going to take the needed medication as prescribed. And then I would say use technology to be transformational. Allow the information available in the technology to really help you transform your practice and to do things in a different, patient-friendly, more efficient way that's going to drive revenue for your providers, make them successful as business owners and as practitioners, and at the same time, provide better care
1: and improve patient safety. Helena, do you have anything you would like to add to that?
0: So as Jill said, I'm going to echo certain things here and there. Again, technology is your friend. It's great to work with. There's so many things that it can do for you. Don't be afraid to adopt it don't be afraid to use it to talk to your patients too because your patients need to hear from you they need to know that that you care about them that you have their attention they have your attention as Jill had mentioned doing that around cost is okay doing that around their behavior with the medications they're taking. Doing that in general to say, hey, as an appointment reminder, or just say, hey, we just prescribed this medication for you as a text message or something. Those things are so beneficial because your patients not only will keep coming back to you because they trust you, they'll recommend 10 of their friends to also go to you because of you being the kind of doctor that instills trust. The other thing I was going to mention is... Your office staff, more than anything, the office staff runs like most of the show. They let you be the doctor that you want to be and practice the top of your license. So use them for everything. Do what you can to make their lives easier, to save them time, to save money, because they are the ones who work through this day in, day out, and they're taking care of it so that you can really focus on being the doctor that as patients we need. And then the last thing I want to mention is. E-prescribing is not just a specialty-based thing. It is specific to prescriptions in general. So I know that we may hear some instances where some doctors are like, well, I don't see these kinds of patients, so therefore it shouldn't apply to me. If you're writing any script whatsoever at all, it's gonna apply to you. So it's important to understand that if you're doing one script a year, totally fine. Keep with your one little piece of paper, no problem. If you're gonna do one script a week, You're going to need to get moving forward with the rest of it, because that one script, if you're planning to grow your business, is going to increase. And it's better to get on the train of adoption now than when it's too late and you're trying to catch up. That's perfect. I can't
1: tell you how much I appreciate you ladies joining us on the podcast. This has been uh, really interesting. It's not a subject that we normally cover. And so it was really good to kind of dig deep into some of these areas. If anybody'd like to learn more about what you guys are doing right now, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes so that they can go in and uh, learn a little bit more. And do we have a, I, I think what we'll do, it just occurred to me right now, we probably want to have a list of all the states that are regulated to make sure that they can verify against that list, because I would never want anybody to go in, listen to this and be like, okay, does that apply to me or not? I have no idea. So we'll definitely put some of those things on the, in the show notes and definitely get them something that uh, can help them right now. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. It's been great talking about this.
1: All right. Well, thanks again, ladies, and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of The Dental Deep Dive. There's definitely some very interesting things happening in the electronic prescribing arena. We want to make sure that we are there, we're supporting, and we're helping with patient care along the way check the show notes. We'll definitely have the list of required states below. Jill and Helena really showed their depth of expertise. We're so glad that they could join us on this episode of the Dental Deep Dive. Looking forward to catching you next time. We'd like to thank our sponsor Dentrix Enterprise for sponsoring this episode of the Dental Deep Dive. Dentrix Enterprise brings very powerful features to groups and growing practices, including the ability to add on e-prescribing right into your dental workflows. For those of you who'd like to learn more about how Dentrix Enterprise can help your practice, please visit them at DentrixEnterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive.